Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Good morning, everyone. This is Annie. I'm coming at you at 6.23 a.m. on my end. It is an early time for me to podcast, but I'm excited for this. The house is still sleeping. I'm supposed to be up getting my daughter off to school, but she is sick, so I'll wait till the little ones get up. So before I get started into talking about these past few months and this this darkness that I was feeling, kind of what caused it and how I came out of it, and I have a great resource that I want to share with you all, before I get into that, um, I just need to do a little business of, please, uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast on your on your podcast app, go ahead and do go ahead and do that, please. It's totally free, which I realize I've never said. Podcasts are free, so subscribing is free. Going to my website andfriggy.com and signing up for the Walking with Freya community email list. That's totally free. So. You know that you don't have to pay for anything, but if you if you subscribe, then you get updated on the podcast episodes. Uh, please leave a rating. That's the stars. Fill in the stars, and if you're feeling inspired, leave a review, a little comment for people that you know kind of wander across this podcast, and they can read the reviews, and then they can think, "Oh, wow, this sounds amazing! I definitely want to listen." Um, I mean, if you wanted to leave that kind of review. That'd be great. Anyway, <laughs> and yeah, I um, if you want to hear about the writing journal, uh, you can get on my email list. It is so close. I am stuck on the figuring out how I'm going to publish it because I've decided to not use Amazon for a variety of reasons, and so now it's a um, now it's a cost issue, and uh, so I'm trying to come up with ways to figure that part out which is not my area of expertise. <laughs> Podcasting is. No. There On Instagram the other day, um, one of the local mamas who has a baby that was born with Down syndrome um, had heard the episode I did with Ashley, and that, I, that was the last one to come out. And since then, those two have met up, and their babies are four months apart. And uh, she shared a post on Instagram about it, about the meeting. It was a cute little picture of the four of them. And, and so I'm just like, she, and she thanked me in the Instagram post for the podcast saying that, you know, they, who knows when they would have, would have met and they just lived down the road from each other. And like, when I read that, I was like, this is the, I mean, I've, my job is complete, although not complete, but you know, like that's, I mean, that's like a, that's been a fantasy of mine for this podcast. And, and, God, what a beautiful thing. I was so excited to hear that, that people 
were able to to meet each other and find each other and now you know they have these lifelong friends that are going to grow up together and so sweet so i'm really happy about that so that's all the business two things that i wanted to start with that about kind of this time that i feel like i'm coming out of and it feels appropriate because we've just come through winter and we're getting into spring we've just had the equinox and i feel like i'm starting to kind of come out of myself again and feel more like myself so it feels in that way very seasonal and i think that that is appropriate i think a lot of people feel that you come through the through the darkness of winter sometimes and and you can really kind of get curled up into yourself and and um you know kind of uh, maybe incubate a little bit so um but two of the things that were really getting to me one was um my relationship with my husband you know like relationships ebb and flow and they they go through these periods where everything's fantastic and it feels great and you feel totally connected and then you can also go through these periods where you're just you're not connecting and you're not communicating well and get caught up in the in all the responsibilities and in the the child rearing and the paying the bills and the working and this and then that and you're kind of like two ships passing in the night and I think that when you are it's even harder to something comes up or if something was said or if there's any pain in any on any of those ships you know it's like you don't really get to talk about it because you don't have a lot of time to be together and so that was just kind of something that was happening for me. And then also, um, I went to the PWS Behavior Management Conference, which was fantastic. And I learned a lot. I, I came home and I wrote up 10 pages of notes and I shared it with my husband. I shared it with the teachers at school. And I'm about to email it to all of my friends that are have an intimate relationship with Freya. So it was fantastic, but it was also uh, overwhelming. You know, I mean, they talked uh, about, you know, some parts of the, the biochemistry of the brain the, when someone has PWS. And so there was kind of this element of this is what they're capable of and this is what they're not capable of. And I don't think that I had ever understood the behavior quite like that. You know, I thought that there were just struggles and uh, that if you had the right kind of parenting skills or the right technique, you could get them through it. And I guess basically that's what this conference was about, was how to get them through it. But uh, the way I understood it, there are just, there are certain things that are just going to happen and certain things that are not going to happen. And it is our job to kind of steer them in the right direction and when all else fails when the meltdowns start just be there with empathy and that like to sit at a conference and be taught how to be empathetic to my daughter I mean it it's just it's like crazy that I have to be taught that but I did. I really had to be taught that. And this is something that I've just been, I mean, these ideas, these things that I'm talking about, I really am just like, there's so much just kind of broiling inside. And so hopefully, hopefully there's clarity here and there will be further 
there will be more clarity down the road. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. So I'm at this conference and I'm learning about these things, these different ways that uh, the behavior can manifest and, and how to deal with it. And it was just really intense. And then, you know, at the end, we kind of talked about how people with Freya's syndrome do not live successful lives on their own. They really, at this point in time, they really need the supervision and they need the help from family, their community, and which I knew, but, uh, you know, it's just like sometimes, sometimes we hear these little tidbits of information and, and we take them in and maybe we can't process them in the moment. We have to kind of push them aside or, um, you know, maybe we just don't fully hear it. We don't fully comprehend it. And then it kind of, it sits there and and it, and it grows. And I wish you could see my hand gestures. This would make way more sense if you could see my hand gestures. So I'll try and get (laughs) clear with my words, but I think you know what I'm saying. And then, and then we hear it again, or for whatever reason it comes up and then it has been kind of integrated into our understanding. And then we really feel it. And that is one of the hardest things for me with this syndrome is that she will always need me to be responsible for her caregiving. And there's so many reasons why that's hard. You know, I mean, for one, you want your kid to be able to grow up and be independent and and make their decisions and and I know she will to an extent it's also terrifying it's so terrifying to think that you know someday I'm gonna be old and feeble you know god is willing old and feeble and you know I've lived a long life and will I be able take care of her? Will I be able to take care of her in the way that she needs? And, and what if, what if we go too early? You know, what if my husband and I aren't around then? Oh, you know, you want your kids to be successful and capable and safe and happy. And when, when you know that like you are a big part of that equation for the rest of their lives, It's very intimidating and overwhelming. And, you know, and then there's, of course, the thoughts of like, well, what if I want to take off and and, uh, travel Europe for three months? Like, what do I do? What if my husband and I want to eventually take a honeymoon (laughs) that we haven't taken yet? Um, You know, it's just, it's it's a very, that can be a very... um, weighing thing to sit with at times and of course you know when I talk about the other side which I do feel also like I do have sweet little thoughts of being an old lady at the table with Freya playing puzzles and drinking tea I think that it's a beautiful there's there's a very beautiful aspect to having a child that you know is always going to be with you like that bond that connection you have to them and you're not necessarily preparing them to go out and live in the world. Like you're, there's a different preparation and there's a sweetness to that, but she's only seven and a half. So I don't know. 
that's, I didn't want to go down that road too much. Okay. So anyway, so that was just some of the things that were coming up for me. And then, you know, there were some behaviors that were kind of emerging with Freya, a little more OC tendencies. And so just kind of, I was just in this dark place and I wasn't able to write and, which is a huge, huge thing for me, for my process. So that was all kind of there and I was feeling dark and angsty and lonely and depressed. I'm, I'm not someone who experiences depression. I, anxieties, my thing. Um, but I did have a couple of weeks there where I woke up in the, in the morning, just like, wow, is this, is this what depression feels like? Cause this sucks. This doesn't feel good. And I'm, I feel like it gave me more compassion for the people in my life that I do know experience depression. Uh, because I understand it on, on a, I have compassion for them on a level of, you know, there's someone that I love and I see that they're hurting, but I can't really understand, you know, and, and I'll say there's a part of me that, that a little voice in my head that's like, oh my God, can you just get over it? Like, just be happy. And so this was kind of uh, a little lesson in, in empathy maybe, or in compassion and uh, really getting to a glimpse of what maybe that feels like. So for what that's worth. So what got me out of it? Well, honestly, I was finally able to write. So I had written a writing piece. I had written a piece on relationships for the writing journal because it's broken into sections. And for each section, I share a piece of my own writing. And so I sat down to write this relationship piece about, this was a few months ago, about um, how Andy and I, we love each other deeply. We don't always communicate well, but we've never fought about Freya. We've never argued about Freya. I sent that off to my writing group and that day or the next day we got in an argument about Freya's behavior. Well, I guess all arguments or I've, I remember one time hearing this thing that like in relationships, when you're arguing after the first five minutes, you're not arguing about the situation you're arguing about, the way you communicate, which I feel like absolutely applies to me and my husband, but I don't know if he would agree. So, and then the ne- and then the day after that, we got in an even bigger argument when, you know, something came up with Freya and one of us handled it one way, the other one wanted to handle it another way. This was before the conference. So thankfully, the conference really helped clarify some things and my husband was able to uh, read through the notes that I sent and understand kind of the perspective I was coming from. So, so that helped. But so I had, I had this piece that I really wanted to write and, and it was, you know, like, oh, but we never, we don't argue about Freya. And then bam, crash. Oh, we argued about Freya. And so I just had to chuck the piece. I had to, I had to toss it out because it didn't feel authentic anymore. But I think maybe and I don't, I don't know how much you buy into this stuff, but I think that, um, you know, there was in some way that was the universe humbling me a bit saying, uh, no, you're not going to write that piece. You're not going to write about, you know, argue about Freya because I think that most people do at some point argue about their children and, and how they handle situations that come up. So I had to scratch that piece and I was so close to being done. That was the last piece I had to write. And so I was cl- so ready to like put this journal, so ready to put this journal out there. And so that just felt like a defeat in a way. And then it was also trying to, 
okay, trying to write this piece and, uh, you know, how do I write this piece in, in my way, which is deal with the, with the feelings and then come out with a positive ending, like be uplifting at the end. And I just couldn't do it because I just wasn't feeling it. And so that was really bumming me out. So eventually, for whatever reason, I was able to write a piece that felt authentic and it felt good to write and it felt like I really kind of covered the basis of what I wanted to talk about. And then I was also able, right after that, to write a poem and perform it a few days later at Poetry Night, a poem about kind of how I've been feeling. And so like the 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 lifting of the burden that comes when I'm able to write something that feels authentic and like I'm really getting to the root of what I'm t- trying to say feels amazing. That really helps me on my process. Oh, I also had a great parent-teacher conference about Freya, and so that really helped me feel better because I know um, sometimes that is where the source of my anxiety is Freya at school and how is she doing? Is she going to make it? Is she going to be able to continue being mainstreamed in this classroom? And so we had a great parent-teacher conference. And then another big thing was that my husband and I decided that we were going to train ourselves in nonviolent communication. This is the source I wanted to bring in. If you don't know what nonviolent communication is, oh my God, I told my mom this and she got really quiet and she said, are you, are you getting violent with each other? And which I shouldn't laugh, but it was very sweet. And then I, I was afraid that I worried my mom. So I was like, no, it's, it's not about, it's not violent in the way that it sounds like. That's, that's kind of a harsh word, but if you don't know what nonviolent communication is, I can't really sit here and explain it, but I'm looking for someone to come on and talk about it because I think it's amazing. The premise is that as human beings, we we are meant to operate from this place of compassion and empathy, but you know, we've been so trained and so stuck in our ways and we usually communicate in these kind of violent, aggressive ways when we are not getting our needs met. And so it's, it's about empathy and compassion. And so that's what was coming together for me as I'm doing these, uh, these trainings where uh, you can look it up on YouTube. The man's name is Marshall Rosenberg. He's since passed, I think 2015. And he does these, he does these videos with puppets and there's a jackal and there's a giraffe and it's a beautiful thing what he's talking about. And so my husband and I have been, um, listening to talks. We've been listening to podcasts. My friend loaned me some books, and uh, we got the nonviolent communication book coming in the mail. So, so we've been doing this on our own, and it's been amazing. And you know, we have gotten into a couple arguments that we were able to totally shift into this connection and into this like, okay, well, the reason we're fighting is because I have this need, and you have this need, and to clearly define our needs and to be able to go from there and. It just feels so in line with what I had learned at the conference with Freya about, you know, this empathy and how to express empathy with someone. Although I think the thing that I, that I'm just grasping is that like with Freya, it's possibly just one-sided nonviolent communication. I don't know that I'll ever be able to get her to understand the concept in the way that I understand it, but 
as her parent, I am holding the space of being a nonviolent communicator saying, I hear you, Freya. I hear you, Freya. That actually worked. I did that. That's how I spent my last Friday night. But the, for part of it, Freya got upset. She wanted to sleep on the floor like her sister, but she'd already been asleep. And so I've just said, no, I, you know, like you're going to bed because she was asleep and I was putting her in her bed. Her sister was already in her bed and she was like, I want to sleep on the floor. And I said, no, you said you wanted to sleep in bed. Remember, I don't have any more bedding. In hindsight, I should have just made a damn bed because she was very upset. And so for about 20 minutes, she sat in her bed. She cried. She did a little screaming. She thrashed around a bit. And I sat on the floor. And I tried at first, just tried to ignore it and read to her sister. And then that didn't work. So then I just had to keep saying, I hear you, Freya. You want to sleep on the floor. I hear you. And this is what I learned at the conference. Because before the conference, I would not have responded that way. I would have, I would have had a different response. Um, but I did. I, I, I used what I learned at the conference. And I sat there. And I said that. And I could, I could feel her and hear her calming down every time I said that. I hear you, Freya. And the cries would get a little quieter. I hear you. And then they became, you know, just little sniffles. And then she would be quiet for a minute. And then she would get herself worked up again. And I would just say that again. I hear you, Freya. And it was amazing. It was, I mean, as I was sitting there in this moment, I was thinking, isn't this what we all want? Isn't that really just what we want? We all want to be heard. And we all, we all want to know that the people that we love hear us. And sometimes that's all we need. We don't need them to fix it. We don't need them to judge us. For sure, don't need them to judge us. We just need to know that they hear us. And so I've been thinking about, you know, this, what I've learned at the conference and then the training that my husband and I are doing with this nonviolent communication. And it's so, I mean, it just, it's probably the same thing. I don't know. I just, I'm not seeing it. I don't know. Maybe uh, she even said that at the conference. I don't know. But the way they go together and, and it just the synchronicity in my life of learning this way of communicating and, and looking at the broader world and how, how important it is for all of us to be heard and to learn these skills. It does, it seems silly to have to go to a conference to learn how to be empath, to show empathy to my daughter. And to listen to these speeches on YouTube and these podcasts about empathy and how to lovingly and or maybe non-aggressively communicate with people. But, you know, we live in a culture and a society that doesn't, I don't think really teaches us empathy. You know, it teaches us how to get ahead, how to be on top, how to be the best student in the class and the fastest runner and the best athlete and the smartest kid. And I've read the most books and, you know, there's, there's a winner and there's a loser. There's an oppressor and there's an oppressed, a right and a wrong, a left and a right, a protagonist and an an antagonist. I mean, I could go on. You get the idea. I'm just, I'm just trying to express my excitement and to, to share with you all that, you know, even when you're in the dark, when you feel like, oh, this is it. Like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do with this. And to come out, to find a way to come out 
and then to develop these skills, to be introduced to these, these skills that are like, wait, these are going to help me along the way. These are more, as the, the phrase, you know, the tool in your, the tools in your toolkit, um, which is an appropriate metaphor, but annoys me for some reason to have these skills, to learn these skills, to, to find a new way. Like there's always a new way. There's always another way. There's always a way to come out of it. There's always a way to get out of the dark and into the light. Yes, that's what I want to express today. <laughs> and so on top of that, um, a couple experiences I've had with Freya of using this, you know, this really intentional empathy with her and seeing the results, I am realizing it's kind of fodder for the argument of inclusion for me. Like this is something that has been kind of brought up to me from, from other people, you know, inclusion and, and seclusion, like in the classroom. And, and, uh, I think I'm really, I'm really starting to see the benefits of inclusion, not just for my own child, but I mean, for the community at large, for, for the kids in Freya's classroom to develop these, this understanding that sometimes you just you just have to listen. Sometimes you just have to be there and be compassionate without judging, without changing. I mean, I think, God, if we, if we could learn those skills, if we all had those skills, I think we would live in a much different world. And that's more of the kind of world where I want to live in. But I want to tell this story. And then I'm going to read a poem and then we're going to be out. And thank you all for hanging in here. I hope it wasn't too chaotic and mumbled. Um, I'm really excited about what is, is brewing in my life and in my, uh, education. And I started a new class yesterday. It's just a four week class, but it re- also, God, feels so powerful for this work that's, that's coming up for me, but I'll tell you more about that later. So I want to tell you the other day I was on the beach. I was walking my dogs and I had my two dogs and my husband's puppy that he got. It's this little rat terrier. So I'm walking and my husband's out on a boat. It's a beautiful morning. I'm feeling great. And my husband's out on a boat and then he calls and he's got smoke coming out of his engine. Something's wrong. He's got to limp back into the harbor with one engine. Can I run and go get some filters for him? And uh, so I, I get off the phone. So now I'm feeling like rushed and, and a little annoyed because I didn't think he asked me as politely as he should have. But, you know, in hindsight, he was on a boat that was malfunctioning out on the ocean, out on the Pacific Ocean. So um, so then I'm I'm rushing and, and I'll, I'll keep this short. And basically, I'm trying to get the dogs. Finally get them. I get one on a leash because I only have one leash. I have three dogs and one leash. I'm carrying the little dog who's getting annoyed. And I start heading back to my van. I realize I have at some point in that I've lost my phone and my keys. They were in a little purse. They fell out of my pocket. So I, I quickly turned around. I thought, well, I'll find it, you know, and I was like, come on dogs. And so I thought I could find it. And I went to the spot where I thought it was and it wasn't there. And I went to the next spot I thought it was and it wasn't there. And I'm in a maze of driftwood piles and sand. And I'm starting to get panicky now because just the day before the school had called and said that Freya was having a hard time. It was the end of the day. Um, so I just went in about 15 minutes early to help her out. 
So my first thought is, well, my, I have two thoughts warring in my head. Oh my God, my husband's on a boat, the engine's smoking. Two, the school can't get in touch with me. What's, what's, what if something is happening with Freya? So I started to panic a little bit. I stopped these people. It's not a, it's not a very populated beach, but these, this couple walked by and I was like, I'm sorry, can I borrow your phone? And they let me. They weren't the friendliest people, so I felt a little weird. Um, so I called my husband. I was like, hey, I got my own shit show. I'm sorry, I can't get that filter. And he was like, okay. And then I hung up, and then they, they walked on. And I was like, okay, now what? Now who do I call? And, you know, we all have our cell phones. We have our contact list in there. We don't have phone numbers memorized. Anyway, so there I am. I'm wandering the beach. And I'm just, all the scenarios are coming up. And I'm starting to cry. I'm sobbing. I'm wandering. I let the little puppy down because he's squirming and he's just pissed that he's in my arms. So I let him down. But then he, you know, I, then I'm afraid I'm going to lose him because he's with like 10 pounds and he's in these piles of driftwood and he doesn't really care to stay with me at the point because I've been holding him and he's pissed. And so he knows that if he comes back to me, then I'm just going to keep holding him and uh, which is not what he wants. So, so then I'm like alternately you know, letting him walk for a minute and then kind of freaking out like, oh my God, I can't lose the puppy too. And then trying to chase him down so I can pick him up and carry him so that I supposedly can think and figure out where my keys are. But I'm just a fucking wreck at this point. And, you know, I needed a good cry anyway, apparently is what I realized. (sighs) I don't even know how long this was, a half hour maybe. So I finally... I see this, I see this woman, this sweet older lady walking on the beach and I ask her, can I please use your phone? And I call, you know, I call my neighbor and my friend who's at work. And then I call, um, another friend, uh, one of my dear friends. And I said, can you please get in touch with, with the school and let them know that I don't have my phone. And so I had to leave messages for both. So like, I felt a little better. I'm like, okay, words out there, but oh my God, nobody answered. Are they getting my messages? And what if the school needs me? And so I go back, you know, this, this woman tries to help me a little bit. She's like, well, triple A and blah, blah, blah. And I, and it was very sweet, but I was like, thank you. And I turned around and so I go back to my sobbing, <laughs> crying, wandering the beach and chasing the dogs and what is happening. And at one point, I look at the ocean, the sun is shining. We've had rain for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. The sun, it's a beautiful sunny morning and there's the Pacific ocean and this beautiful long beach with very few people on it, no houses or anything like that. And I realize how beautiful it is. And I think to myself, what if I just sit down? What if I just sit here? and wait. And it was probably the closest I've ever become, uh, the closest I've ever come to I don't know, being a Buddhist or something. Like I, I was on the verge, I was on the verge of this, of this moment of just, all I can do is just sit and enjoy this beautiful day. Freya will be taken care of somehow. I will be found. What if I just sit? And I was so close to that moment. And then this, the, the woman comes running down the beach, your friend's on the phone. And uh, so that it like, so, you know, then it started the, uh, the logistics of who's going to pick me up. And, and the good thing was that she said she was on call for Freya, which like, ugh, I was like, okay, good. I can, I can handle anything now. But so it was chaotic and, you know, trying to get the dogs and my friend's car and all that stuff. But just that moment of, 
what if I, what if I just sit down? What if we just take a break? What if we in our overworked, overstressed lives have a little faith that there are competent people taking care of our children? What if we allow for that? What if we just sit down and take a break? I don't know. I just really wanted to tell that story because, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's something that bit, it's been, uh, keeps coming up for me, kind of that phrase, what if I just sit down? <laughs> so hopefully that means something somewhere um, to someone. So I'm going to do the poem that I wrote recently that kind of helped me come out of this place. So this poem ends on a couple lines from an Irish blessing that my husband and I had read at our at our wedding. His grandfather came over from Ireland, so he has strong ties on that side. Okay. <clears throat> a poet surveying the land she has tended in her soul. It's a working title. <clears throat> they lied to me somewhere along the way. Our society, faiths, fairy tales, they led me to believe that at some point this would get easy. That I would one day set my foot on a path and know it for the right one. Wake some morning to sunlight streaming through the window and know this life to be the one I was meant to live. I do have those days. They weren't totally wrong, but those days are not thresholds to permanent acceptance. They are not perpetual sunrises or free-flowing currents of smooth waters. The sun does set upon those days. So what of the others? When it is hard and frustrating and dark and I can barely see through the muddled anxiety and tension, when who I thought I was or used to be is so deeply buried under the responsibilities of adulthood. I was taught that adults have all the answers. I am almost 40 years old. I think they lied about that too. And in my quest for honesty and healthy ponderings, I shift my upbringing of because I said so into telling my children I don't always know. And I wonder if I am giving them freedom to explore their realities or rooting insecurity into their bones. How are we to know the right path? How do we quantify advantages and disadvantages into a formula that ensures success, provides us with a heading on a compass to, by which we steer, the point on the horizon on which all hope and future is directed? What if our demons are not our failures, but the expectations that we should succeed? In the musings of gray-haired remembrance, our youth can get redefined into a structured plot, with intention and rationale and fate, all leading to a culmination of victorious wisdom. When in reality, life is more like a random collection of entropic actions that somehow get us to a destination at some point in our life, wherein maybe we can retroactively apply reasoning and form decision-making and synchronicity onto past events to appear as if we had known what we were doing all along. But spontaneity keeps us moving. Diversion teaches us lessons. We take the sun as it rises and hunker in the storm when clouds pass above. 
the road is both rocky and worth the trek. So we may not always recognize the road we are on, may not always see the path before us or understand its terrain. We may at times turn back wondering if we should have taken the other fork. But what is the benefit of that? What purpose does it serve to question the path we stepped upon? We are here now, so keep moving forward. One foot in front of the other, hand over hand, when life dictates we must crawl, but keep moving. And always carry with you the blessing of the Irish. May the road rise to meet you. The wind be always at your back. Slotcha.